Welcome to the Packaging Therapist Podcast, the show where we discuss technical packaging problems so that you can solve them for your business. All right, everyone, welcome to the Packaging Scholars Podcast. Today, I am joined by Andrea Ochter, who works for NatureWorks. I'm going to give her a second here to introduce herself and we'll get into it. Thank you, Jesse, um, and thank you for having me on the podcast. My name is Andrea Ochter, and I'm a manager of applications development for NatureWorks. Um, NatureWorks is a leading supplier of the biopolymer PLA called Ingeo. And so we make PLA uh, and we sell it into many applications. I've been with NatureWorks for four years, and prior to that, I was with General Mills. Um, and what we do in applications development is we uh, help converter partners to use our PLA in geo in their equipment and kind of optimize the processes, help whenever there's um, things that need adjustment and, and recommend settings. Fantastic. And let's dive a little bit into now the, the rigid plastic itself. Can you tell us a little bit more about what can you do with this polymer? Um, I know there has like been a ton of change in the industry, even in the past couple of years, where this material performance is much better than it has been in the past. So maybe you could speak a little bit about, you know, how people could think about using the resin. Yes. Yeah. So nature makes things from CO2 and so do we at NatureWorks. So plants are sequestering carbon dioxide and uh, converting it into sugars. And then we can take those sugars and ferment them into lactic acid. And that's the building block for the biopolymer in GOPLA. Uh, and then um, so that PLA then can be used to make many applications, food service ware um, with clear rigid thermoform containers that we'll talk about today, as well as other applications like 3D printing, um, uh, tea bags and uh, fibers. Wow. Yeah. And so um, we've been in the market um, for 20 years with our 2003D in geo PLA grade for clear thermoforms. And uh, what we do to help enable people to run is ship in um, dried barrier packaging so that uh, because PLA resin, you need to dry. Uh, if you don't dry it, you'll have degradation in your extruder. So you dry it to get all the moisture out and then you can extrude it and you will uh, maintain the quality of the PLA through your extruder. So we ship a dried and barrier packaging so that um, if you don't have dryers, if you don't have that capital equipment, you can still test out of the box to understand if NGO is going to work in your system and equipment. But then long term, you'll want a capital plan in place for drying um, and crystallizing, depending on your application to um, run that NGO uh, the best and most economically as possible. Uh, other things to think about in running NGO um, for extrusion and thermoforming are um, you might want to consider longer term a screw design. Uh, PLA is a thermally uh, sensitive polymer. So as it experiences more shear in the extruder, mm -hmm. it gets hotter and that can lead to degradation if it gets too hot. So a simple solution is slowing down the line. Um, but that's not preferred by most <laughs> converters. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you can test it at slower rates just to make sure that it's working in your end application and your converting system. But longer term, to really get those rates that are um, desired, you will want a capital plan for PLA. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. 
Mm -hmm. And what's great about using PLA in rigid containers is that often those are used to contain food, deli containers, right. takeout, um, beverages. And the great thing about PLA is it's got really good stiffness properties. So you, you can lightweight sometimes, uh, use that stiffness of the PLA. It has a crystal clear clarity so you can see everything that's inside of it, um, whether that's grapes or um, a drink, you know, you want to be able to see that lovely food that you're eating. And yeah. then uh, when it's food soiled, if there's many end of life applications, you can uh, industrially compost PLA. So you can capture all the food residuals that are in that material in that package and put it in compost. It can be cleaned and then mechanically recyclable, or it can be uh, chemically recyclable back to the monomer. Oh, wow. Okay. Do you know if there's any um, current systems in place to recapture versus industrial compost? Or where do you see the future of reclaiming mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. Right now, certainly industrial compost seems to be um, the, what is most available to people uh, in terms of land mass and locations. Uh, mm -hmm. As chemical recycling grows in popularity, that could be a really good option as those systems come up into place. I'm not aware of a lot. Of, there's a few partnerships I've heard of over the years, but I don't know um, how commercial they are yet. Sure. But I guess what matters at the end of the day is that this can be recycled. Yes. Yeah. Which is really cool. I didn't know that. Um, so then as, as we think about the different applications and the different pieces and types of things you can make um, or your converters can make, can you talk a little bit about options? I know you said um, rigid containers for like deli applications or silverware. I think mm -hmm. I've seen straws. Have we missed any? Did you say straws? Yeah. We're not typically in straws. Uh, we were a few decades ago, but um, mm -hmm. more, that is, we've moved away from that. So I'm not aware of um, straw okay. applications right now. But yes, yeah, so clear containers. We also do uh, cutlery. PLA will be found yep. in cutlery as well as extrusion coating. So um, coating it onto paper that can be formed into hot cups for coffee or cold cups. Oh. Uh, hot coffee lids are also made from PLA. So those are a lot of the applications in food service where that I directly support. Cool. So then if somebody's interested and they kind of want to know ahead of time, like what type of cost could they end up spending? Like, is it more expensive than a PET or a other type of plastic container? How does it compare from a price standpoint and an investment standpoint? Yeah, so biopolymers are typically more expensive than conventional polymers, uh, you know, at, at the face value of the raw material. Yeah. Um, one benefit that you get with NGO is that because we're made from plants, there's a better carbon footprint to convert. So to make NGO, there's actually um, a a less greenhouse gas emissions and less energy from non-renewable sources used. So you're already improving your um, environmental footprint by switching to a biopolymer. And then as well, uh, our material, our PLA processes at a lower temperature. So on the okay. converting oh. side, you don't have to heat up your equipment as hot. There's energy savings on the converting side because we process at a lower temperature. Yeah. So it's really important to look at the whole picture in terms of cost. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when, when you think about production, is, is it different? Does it, does it run through the equipment differently? We talked a little bit about drying it, right? Mm -hmm. um, we talked a little bit about um, shear, but is there anything else to consider when you're running this material? 
Yeah, so you definitely want to make sure that we're not overheating the PLA. Um, when we're overheating it, that can lead to degradation, as well as we want to make sure that we're drying the PLA uh, so there's no moisture in there. If there's moisture, that can cleave the polymer bonds and, and um, degrade the polymer. Okay. So those are two important things. And a great way to measure um, your temperatures is to have a melt immersion thermocouple. Uh, and that way, as you're extruding the PLA, you know directly in the stream, what is that mm -hmm. melt temperature, which is typically for PLA hotter than your metal temperatures uh, because it's a sheer heating polymer. Yeah. So those are really important considerations. And then uh, making sure that you are having a screw design that's low shear. Mm -hmm. um, as well as uh, trying to build flexibility into your process. Um, and then there are, you know, you may need to consider some things because Enzio is so stiff, stiff mm -hmm. you may need uh, impact modification to help get the final properties of your articles that you're looking for. And when you talk about degradation, what type of defects show up if, if you're using too much heat? Yeah, so if you're having degradation from too much heat, that can show up in uh, discolorations so like darker color product, more mm -hmm. browning, yellowing in the product. It can show up as uh, more neck in, so loss of melt strength. Instead of a really uniform and strong melt curtain, you would see sagging in your thermoforming process. You would see a more okay. narrow web or as opposed to what you typically would experience, mm -hmm. a nice wide web. Um, those would be... Okay, yep. so the defects would happen before the part was made, basically. Yeah, you would be able to no. observe before the part was made. Sure. Mm -hmm. So if you're using a rigid container in production, right, you've purchased NatureWorks thermoformed cups, is there anything people should consider when they think about swapping out the plastic rigids they have in terms of denesting or running down the line or maybe if, you know, any type of physical mm -hmm. properties like fracturing, you know, differences in those types of properties of, of the packaging? Certainly an important one for thermoformers is going to be mold shrink. So the mold shrink for PLA is going to be different than PET or polypropylene okay. uh, and really needs to be taken into consideration. So some equipment is... Um, a little bit easier to run on, or a little bit closer to the needs of PLA, um, mm -hmm. where polypropylene, the shrink is a lot different than PLA. So that would probably mean a different mold cavity um, to get your same part dimensions and tolerances that you need. Uh, but in terms of then punching out um, and stacking, that's pretty Pretty much the same. I, okay. You do need probably some denest to help uh, those stacks of parts come apart easily, depending on your application. If it's a really wide, shallow, perhaps not. But if it's a deep draw type application, yeah. then definitely we've seen that help a lot. And any issues with static buildup or anything like that? Yeah, you do need to have grounding, uh, even touching the web after it's formed. Um, yeah. Definitely some, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Um, then talk a little bit about like, let's say it's food contact. You've, you've got a cup, you've applied litting film. How does shelf life compare and like the moisture and oxygen transmission rates? Um, mm -hmm. How do they compare? Yeah, that really uh, depends on your temperature as well for PLA. Um, so if you're in a cold, refrigerated, or frozen environment, the moisture transfer properties change significantly for PLA. They're much, much better than, say, a room okay. temperature application. And once you're at the thickness of a rigid part, 
um, your moisture barrier is going to be good enough for shelf life. Um, it's not as good as some other conventional polymers, but in terms of keeping um, your product safe, absolutely. Um, if you have, you know, a moisture sensitive product in a thin film, um, mm -hmm. where you typically might have a metallized film pouch application, you would still need that metallization layer to get those barrier properties right. to keep that dry food product um, edible and um, good flavor and all that. Sure. And then in thinking about films, then, is there anything you want to add about film applications? Because you've mostly spoken about thermoformed parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we want to do a whole another podcast on film applications, oh. and I'm looking forward to that. Um, so uh, definitely stay in touch with Strategic Packaging Partners to get the next episode on films. Perfect. And then um, is there anything else you want to add? We've talked about how you guys make the resin. We've talked about how there's converters out there. Um, if, if people have questions about kind of where to go, either they're interested in like making parts um, or they're interested in using um, new material in their system, where where can they go and you know, anything mm -hmm. else? Yeah, yeah, we would love to connect with people. Um, we have a great website, natureworksllc.com, where we have a system you can put in an inquiry for samples, and that will get you connected and routed to the right resource for your application. So I highly recommend checking that out. I do think it's worthwhile to touch on what does compostable mean um, briefly, because that is one of the advantages that you're bringing with PLA besides the other beneficial properties like stiffness and clarity. So compostable, um, you can get certifications on what is compostable. So there's ASTM standard D6400 is the typical one in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And it's a standard about um, how fast does your polymer disintegrate? That's kind of one question. And then sure. another question you have to ask as part of that is, um, is my material available as a food source for microorganisms that actually can eat it and break it back down into um, carbon dioxide and water? And so they're both important because it's not enough to just break down into small pieces. It needs to be a food source for the microorganisms and actually being taken back to molecules so that right. it's you know, totally circular. Um, Can't so turn that's, into a microplastic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we have certified several of our NGO grades to, to ensure that they comply with the BPI certification for industrial compostability. Um, and then also we've been hearing a lot about home compostability. We know that's coming. There's not a certification mm -hmm. yet in the U.S. Um, so more to come on those development efforts. Yeah. So then the backyard compostable certification is different in terms of um, temperature needed to break down and, and time needed to break down. I've actually seen like maybe the time's a little bit longer, but mm -hmm. it's that high heat that you need for industrial compostable resins. That's kind of yeah. tricky because the backyard doesn't quite get hot enough for the right duration. Right. So that that'll be really exciting to kind of get into that space. I think that's what everyone's really excited about. Right. Um, I do too. It's not confusing. And there's not just, it's not just um, thinking about end of life only certifications. NatureWorks has gone out and certified several parts of the value chain. So we have uh, USDA certified bio-based. So even just moving away from fossil-based plastics to bio-based 
um, plastics and other materials is a big step towards a circular economy. So that's something to think about too with beginning of life, um, as well as being sustainably sourced feedstocks, ISCC, as well as just product health and safety. So cradle to cradle, we're certified gold um, and green screen, which is looking at um, toxic chemicals like PFAS, we achieved mm -hmm. their platinum level on 2003D, which is the highest level of certification you can get to, to be totally non-toxic, nothing bad in there, no impurities. Fantastic. Congratulations. Thank That's you. That's an achievement and one that we really need in the industry right now. Yeah. Um, so fantastic. Well, thank you for joining me today. Yes. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. <laughs>